Hey, we want to thank you for listening today to a sermon from Edwards Lake Church. And we hope that you recognize the message of God as we open his word together and examine his incredible life-changing teaching. We pray that this message will challenge you, motivate you, or touch you in some way. Let's open the Bible together. ...of the year. And it's the Mark Your Bibles lesson. So uh, I, I think probably you all could have seen that coming since it's on your bulletin and all of that. So uh, we're going to jump into lesson 24 of our Mark Your Bible series and uh, talk about when bad things happen. Uh, that's our topic for tonight, when bad things happen. I don't know if you've noticed, as we've gone through now 24 of these different lessons, we've got two more to finish that we will do pretty quickly in the new year, just so that we can mark this series off the list. Um, we've, we've had an inordinate imbalance toward negative things. You'll notice that? Uh, I'm not saying it's all been negative, but there's been a, a kind of an imbalance towards negative concepts about life, difficulties of life, the things that nobody really wants to talk about. And, and I, there's a reason for that. Uh, I've, I've told y'all many times over the past two and a half years, you're most often going to have the greatest success in sharing the gospel with people who are going through pain or change. Pain and change. That's bad. Nobody really wants to experience pain, whether that be disease or, or pain for them own, their own bodies, or whether that be uh, the loss of a loved one, or whether that be some sort of disaster that's happened in a community. But that pain is often used as a way for God to step in or for them to start looking for God. And so if we are prepared with good things to share when people are experiencing pain, we are better prepared to meet people where they are. Same thing is true with change. We talk about change oftentimes as a good thing, but the reality is most of us dread it. Most of us don't really like it. This is why most of us are sitting in the same seats tonight that you sat in this morning. And, and that's just an easy way to notice how that works. Generally speaking, we get a certain way of doing things in our mind or in, and, and we create a habit out of it because it's just easy. It's easy to not have to come in and look for a new seat. Uh, and, and it's not like we've run out of seats here, but we still choose our seats, and, and, and we don't like change. And that's kind of a silly way to think about it, but the truth is we're that way about a lot of different areas of life. We don't like, we like having our morning routines, most of us. We like knowing that this is the way life is going to work. We like kind of having an expectation of what we're going to run into when we get to work. Jobs where there's a lot of change, a lot of turnover, a lot of things, uh, just life is different every day. Most people don't like those kind of jobs because change is painful. When we experience pain and change, it often causes us to do a lot of questioning. Those are the times when we're most often willing to reach out. 
you're experiencing some marriage difficulties, those are the times you're generally willing to reach out to somebody for help. Uh, you're experiencing financial trouble, you will reach out to someone for counseling or for help. Uh, you're, you're not sure what to do with your children, you'll reach out to people for advice. And so when we are prepared to be able to help people through their moments of pain or their moments of change, those are the times when it is most often easiest for us to kind of move the conversation towards spiritual things. And so that's why this particular route can be helpful is because this route deals more with the, the generalities of painful things we experience. Because the truth is, bad things are going to happen to all of us. All of us. And so it allows us from a biblical perspective to put ourselves in the same boat with somebody who is already experiencing pain, show them that God offers comfort in those moments, and then hopefully move that conversation into the ultimate comfort, which is turning to Jesus. Everybody with me on this? Okay, so we're just going to look at a lot of depressing verses tonight. I'm just going to go ahead and uh, give you forewarning. Uh, realize, as we know, the Bible doesn't stop with the sad, with the bad. It moves toward the good. Uh, we know that, and we'll be able to share that with other people. So the first passage for tonight's lesson found over in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. And again, it, it is a passage we're very familiar with. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now we're familiar with that and we often talk about the, the end of that passage. The idea of just make sure you put your treasures where they go. But notice, don't... don't forget the beginning of the passage, which says the treasures you do have, they're temporary. They're not going to last. Even if you did the best you could to preserve it and hold on to it and never let any of it escape, you were able to keep it in the safest place where none of it ever gets spent, what will eventually happen to it? It'll corrode, it'll rush, it'll disappear. It, 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 put it in more modern terms, you put all of your money in a savings account and you never touch it, what eventually happens? It disappears from inflation. Like that, that's the way it, it, it tends to work in our, in our modern world, right? You know, what used to be $100 now is only worth 60. I mean, it, it, it just, it'll disappear. It'll disappear without us ever knowing. And there's a lot of people who feel that on a very real day-to-day -day, uh, struggle. They're, they're watching their money run out before the month does. They're watching their life just kind of go topsy-turvy because they're not sure how they're going to pay the bills. They're not sure how they're going to get food on the table. They're not sure that, that there's going to be a college fund. They're not sure that there will be retirement. They have not have any plans for the future when it comes to finances, and they are feeling it hard. It is weighing down on them. It is painful to them. And the truth is, that's kind of how it works. That, that if if all of your hope is in money, you're going to be 
very sadly uh, in trouble down the road. This thing is pulling on me because I put it on at the very last second and it is driving me nuts. So you're going to have to give me a moment here. Because I'm tired of messing with it. And I've got too much hair for it to fit over my ear. So, you know what I mean, Marshall? He's got it. He knows what I mean. All right. So, we, uh, we, we, we've got to realize that, that our treasures, that they're not worth putting our hope in. That that's going to just be a painful spot for many people. Uh, we have a whole other route in this series about wise financial decision-making. Uh, if this is somebody's trouble, you can turn over there. It's somebody, something that somebody is struggling with. Uh, but just realize that is one of the difficulties of life. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. I, I like to point people to this passage. Uh, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven, for he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Here, God can give blessings and by implication, disappointments to everybody. The point of this passage is to say we all go through the same difficulties of life, and we all experience many of the same blessings of this life, that God is indiscriminate when it comes to sending the rain and the sunshine. He sends it on both. Uh, there's a lot of people who feel as if they should be specially treated and they shouldn't have to deal with the difficulties of life because, well, I belong to God. God's supposed to protect me from all the difficulties. God doesn't promise that. God says we're going to go through blessings and we're going to go through disappointments no matter who you are. That's just life. Uh, you know, it, if ever, we always talk about life isn't fair, right? We use that expression. If there's ever something that is fair, it's life. I mean, the truth is, life treats us all the same. All of us. All of us have good, all of us have bad. Some of us have more bad at certain moments than other people. And then that same person will have more good at other moments than other people. Life just comes at us, good and bad and ugly, all the time. It's indiscriminate. Life doesn't care. You're going to experience the ups and downs of life. All of us will. Now, because of some of our decisions, maybe some of us experience more downs than ups or more ups than down. But life itself, just it, the sun rises and the rain comes and it hits us all. And, and that's just the way life is. And we got to be okay with that. John 15, 19, if you're of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you're not of the world, I have chosen you out of it. The world hates you. If the tr reality is we can't have the perspective of because I belong to God, life should be easy. The truth is, because I belong to God, life is actually going to be more difficult. That's not how we typically push baptism from the pulpit, but it's true. I, I've heard people make the argument of, you know, even if... Jesus didn't die on the cross and he didn't resurrect. I would still be a Christian just because I like moral living. 
hate to argue with that because it sounds good. But the truth is, if Jesus didn't die on the cross and he didn't resurrect, I probably wouldn't continue to live as a Christian because I could use my Sundays for something else. I could use this time. I like all of you people. But the only reason I know you people is because Jesus died on the cross and he resurrected. It's that fact that makes us have a relationship. If those things didn't happen, we probably wouldn't. The, the occasion just wouldn't arise. The, the truth is, there's a lot of things that I give up as a person because I am a follower of Jesus that if I weren't a follower of Jesus, I could, I could have those things. Am I saying that moral living hasn't in some ways made life better? It has. It has. But it's also caused me to do a lot of self-denial. It's caused me to go through a lot of heartache. It's caused me to suffer in ways that I would not have suffered had I not been a follower of Jesus. And so, honestly, it, it works both ways in the argument. We need to be the kind of people who realize that, that we are not of this world, and so we got to be okay with what comes along with not being of this world. And sometimes that's difficulty. And sometimes that's self-denial. And sometimes that's putting on a brave face and doing the right thing even when you don't feel like doing the right thing. And sometimes that means denying yourself for the sake of putting others above yourself. And sometimes that means denying yourself because God requires you to do it. I go back to what Benny prayed earlier. Excellent prayer, by the way. It was great to pray that with him. And that idea of being like Jesus in this world. That, that's what he prayed for. That's what we all prayed for with Benny. That we could be more like Jesus every day. Not get all caught up in programs, not get all caught up in, in, in all these things we have to do. Just do the simple thing of being more like Jesus. Jesus was hung on a tree and slaughtered for being like Jesus. You willing to do that? You willing to give up the world? That, that's bad thing by our human estimation. Also, there's this sense of being pulled out of the world should cause us to be willing to let the world go. Put it aside. It's not where I place my hope. It's not where I get my accolades. It's not where I want to find my purpose. The world is not for me. The world is just a place where I work. Sit. And, and we've got to be willing to give up the world for the sake of having more for us, more, more of the kingdom, more of God. One of the easiest illustrations I can think of for this is just our entertainment. I know so many people 
who just go out and they find themselves just head over heels for the same entertainment that the world enjoys. And, and I, I look and I go, you, me, the judgmental side of me is going, that's soft porn. Why are you watching something that has naked people in it every other episode? Well, but you know, it, it, it's not as bad as you think it is. Why would we even watch stuff like that? Why would we, we fill our minds with the world that we're not a part of? And yes, that requires self-denial. That requires us to give up something we want, if, if that's the kind of show you want to watch. That requires us to maybe even feel left out when we're at work and they're all talking about the latest episode and we're having to sit over there not having a clue what they're talking about because we don't watch that kind of stuff. But isn't that worth it? I know that sounds so, so trivial, but you'd be amazed how much Christians struggle with that. I mean, even Paul says to Timothy, in fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, will suffer. Few of us believe that. And fewer of us are willing to go through that. I, I don't know how to back off of, of what Paul tells Timothy here. Now, I, he does not tell Timothy to go search for persecution. He doesn't say go create opportunities for persecution. But what he says is doing what Benny prayed that we all do going out there and living like Jesus will bring persecution. It's just, it, it's par for the course. It's what's going to happen. If you are truly, truly being the kind of person that Jesus was, living by that high of a standard, being willing to be that different than the world, the world will hate you for it. And I wonder sometimes about myself, if I've not tried to find that middle ground somewhere where I can both belong to Jesus but not stick out in the world in such a way that I can have it easy on both sides. Never is it presented as an easy road. Being a Christian is not about what is easy. Being a Christian is about what is right, what is holy. And those who live holy lives will suffer persecution. And notice it doesn't say might suffer persecution. doesn't say let me warn you about what could happen in certain places where there is a certain culture. It doesn't say any of that. It doesn't give it any caveats to it. It doesn't give any excuses or justified in any way. It says those who wish to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So if we're not, and I don't mean all the time, but let me even word it this way, but if we've never, the odds are there's something wrong with us, not with the guarantee of Scripture. 
standing up for what is right is hard and it's painful and it risks relationship and it risks jobs and it risks your ability to get out there in the world and fit in. But that's what it means to live a godly life. And when you do live that godly life, bad things are going to happen. And you got to be okay with that. Are you? Next passage, John chapter 16, verse 33. I've told you these things so that you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I've conquered the world. Now, here's, here's the thing. I, I want you to take that last bit that we talked about. All who wish to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And add it to this. I'm telling you this so that you can have peace. Do those things go together? According to Paul, they do. Because his, I mean, excuse me, according to Jesus, they do. Because Jesus' very next words are, you will have suffering in this world. That doesn't change the fact that you can have peace in this world. Because these two things go together when we keep our eyes on Jesus, who both suffered and had peace about it. That should be us. That should be us. We've got to come to grips with the fact that if we go out there and we live the kind of lives we prayed about, we go out there and actually live like Jesus, have conversations with the world like he did, will at risk being ostracized by the world as he did, there will be times when there are some people who will flock to that and want to have more of that and, and be drawn toward that because they want the peace that you have. And there will be other times where there are those who want to shut you down and shut you out and want to have nothing to do with you because they don't want to have any of that godly life living. And you got to be okay with that. We, we have such a great opportunity as Christians. But we'll never have those opportunities if we live in fear of bad things happening. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. Paul says, and not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance and endurance produces proven character and proven character produces Now notice, the beginning of that is affliction, suffering, persecution, being ostracized, being called names, being thrown out, losing your job, uh, having difficulty with relationships, losing friends. There's going to be all sorts of bad things that can and will happen to those who are pursuing the will of God. But going through those things... It produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Why is being willing to go through bad things a good thing? Because going through bad things with God has a good end. And we've got to be willing to do that. Those bad things can produce 
good results for you and me. They, it, they, can, they can give us the chance to grow. They will give us the chance to have a, a great testimony for God. They will give us a chance to suffer as he suffered. It will give us a chance to, to be more of what God intends us to be. You know, when bad things happen... Maybe the best thing to do is not to try to get the bad things to stop happening, but to look at those bad things and say, how do I grow in this? How do I change? I'm already experiencing pain. Might as well change. Get it all done at once. How do I, how do I change through these bad things so that I can be more of what God intends for me to be? That's what we do when bad things happen. We develop. James makes the same thing clear over at the beginning of his epistle. It says there, verse 2, Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And if you skip down to verse 12, Blessed is the one who endures trials. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Again, persecution, trials, suffering, difficulties of life, bad things. Bad things make us better people if we'll let them. Now, they don't always. You can't just be bitter about bad things, can't you? I've been there. Didn't like the way someone talked to me. Didn't like the way a situation worked out. So I'll just, instead of worrying maybe what they said was true or maybe this is a chance to have patience or maybe this is a chance to love in a difficult situation or trying to figure out a way that this can have good result, I'll just sit there and complain about the person or, or tell other people about what a bad person that person is and run them down. Or, or maybe, maybe the, the way I respond is I kind of like build walls around myself and just shut everybody out. That way I, I don't have to deal with those people anymore. People like them. And I'm just going to assume everybody's like them if the damage is bad enough. That's not what we should do. The, the truth is if we will just allow good results, endurance, patience, maturity, completeness, those things to come as a result of the bad things, the bad things become good things. 1 Peter chapter 4, 12 through 16. This one's a little harder to read on the screen. Luckily, you have Bibles in front of you. So 1 Peter chapter 4, 12 through 16. Dear friend, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian... Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. 
So first of all, we, we find we shouldn't be surprised if we as Christians suffer persecution. Jesus, the Christ, suffered persecution. That, that should make logical sense to us. If the one we're being like suffered for being like that, then we will suffer for being like that. The world has not changed. It's still full of vindictive and evil people. So we need to expect the same sort of treatment. But I also love the way, the way Peter words it here. Don't be surprised as if this is something unusual. What does that imply? This is normal. This, is, this should be the expectation. This is what we all experience. When we're trying to live like Christ, we suffer. And that's okay. Realize that as you suffer, as you are ridiculed for, for wearing the name of Christ, realize that God is being glorified. You're being ridiculed, God is being glorified. Same thing. It's happening at the same time. Isn't that worth it? I also love the list of sins that he, he includes here, and I, I think there's a reason these are included in context. Murderer. When somebody mistreats you, what, what, what do you want to do? Kill them. Maybe not literally, but if it were bad enough, maybe. Kill them. Or... or Somebody has, has uh, withheld from you what you were due. Maybe a, a boss has withheld from you because they found out that you're a Christian. Well, I'm going to go get what's mine. I'm going to go thieve it. I'm going to go steal it. And meddler, same sort of thing. If they're going to make life difficult for you, you can make life difficult for them. It's that whole tit for tat. If, if uh, I can get them back, I can hurt them the same way they hurt me. And what Peter's saying is, no. Realize that your suffering is God's glorification. And that makes it worth it. That makes it worth it. I also wonder if we don't get a little glimpse into the thought process of Jesus here. Jesus, as we've studied recently in our class in Luke, I mean, he willingly went to the cross. And we look at that and we go, oh, that, that just, that had to have been so difficult. And I'm not saying it wasn't. But I wonder if what was going through Jesus' head was less, oh, woe is me, this hurts, and more, praise be to God, this brings him glory. And so every, every whack of the whip, every, every hammer uh, th where they hit the, the nails into his hand, every single time he was slapped across the face or insulted, if there wasn't, if not externally, internally, a little bit of a smile in his soul because he realized the glory that was coming to his father through what he was suffering. And I wonder if we couldn't do the same thing. When we're, when we're facing a difficult moment, instead of thinking only about what you're suffering, 
but changing the way you think to what is happening for God at the same time, if that doesn't make it much more endurable. God's being glorified. Praise God. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Now, this isn't necessarily the direct context here of Galatians chapter 6, but we do know the early church was abundant in suffering and in persecution. And one of the reasons they were often having to be benevolent in the early church was because uh, if a family came out and became known as being Christian, they were ostracized. They lost jobs, they lost family, they lost friends, they lost everybody they would have turned to in their previous life. And so they had to do a lot of supporting of one another. And if one of the reasons Paul teaches this in Galatians, which is one of the earliest epistles, he says, we need to make sure we are taking care of the household of faith. Why? Because they're all suffering. They're all experiencing hardship. As a whole, the early church was a, a, a neglected and beaten down group of people. And so we should be willing to do good for them. Romans 8, 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. I love this verse. And again, this, this isn't a foreign concept to us. I, I've heard many, many preachers say it, and many, many non-preachers say it, of that Heaven will be so good, it'll be worth anything here. Or as D. Bowman used to say, if you've missed heaven, you've missed everything. That, that whole idea of, you know what, God has given us a place where the suffering ends. That place is waiting on us. It has been prepared, it is there, it has been promised and guaranteed by the gift of the Holy Spirit, it is something that is, that is available, and it's waiting. It, it, it's there. How much are we willing to go through between now and then? I, I get, uh, I, I hate driving. Um, I hate it. I, I, I just, it is the most boring activity ever. Not only that, in our big loud van, uh, and, and loud for many reasons, five of them in particular, uh, it, 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 it's loud. And, and because of my hearing problem, I can't hear anything. It's just all noise. No, it's like the Grinch. Noise, 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 noise. Like that's how I, I drive in my van. Like it, it's just, it, oh, I hate it. And, and then, and then, We've got this kind of expanse between my seat and my wife's seat. So whenever the kids are, I hear, Dad, and then I don't have a clue what they say after that. And then so she has to go, did you hear them? And of course the answer is no. And then she has to tell me what it is. But she's learned most of the time that she has to actually look at me to get the sound to go directly from her mouth to my ear for me to understand. Or else I have to start doing this. I start leaning over while I'm driving so I can get closer and closer and hear what she's saying. Or, or because I read lips, I have to look at her. And then she's yelling at me that I need to watch the road. I hate it. I hate driving. 
when I got a really awesome place to go, I'm willing to drive for days. We got an awesome place to go. We got a place just, it, the gates are open. What are you willing to go through to get there? Because we're guaranteed there is nothing in this world that is so big and so bad that it is worth giving up how good there is. And we should be willing to, to, to suffer it all. Revelation 21.4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain, there will be no more because the previous things have passed away. All that suffering that we will experience here because of serving a God who is very different than this world. It'll all be worth it because one day, no more tears, no more dying, no more grief. It, it'll, all be, it'll all be taken care of. And you want to know what my favorite part of this verse is? It's that very first four words. He will wipe away. Any parent realizes the tenderness of, of a child. They've fallen down, they've skint their knee, and they come running to mom or dad. And you gather them up in your arms and you set them on your lap and they're just crying. And you talk to them what happened and they tell you I fell down. And you say, did you get hurt? Which is the most obvious question ever. And they say, yes. And you say, where? And they show you their knee. And you pull up their knee and you kiss it. Most unsanitary medical practice ever. And then they've stopped crying and you take your thumb and you wipe it across their cheek to erase the tears. That's God with us. That, that's what God will do with us. We're going to show up to heaven with tear-stained cheeks and God is going to wipe them away. And doesn't that make it worth it? Doesn't that make any of those hard days worth it to know there's an end in sight? And when the end happens, it'll, it'll not just be grand, it'll be intimate, it'll be loving, and it'll be forever. And, and that makes the bad things okay. It, we all suffer bad things. All of us. But here's the difference. You go and talk to somebody in the world and they're complaining about the difficulties of life and the best you have for them is good and bad things happen to all of us. That's the best you got. I mean, you don't know. You don't know if life's going to get better for them. We, we like to 
to make wishful statements, don't we? Well, you know, this too shall pass. Maybe it won't. For a non-Christian, it might not. But for you and me, the ones who belong to Jesus, it will. It will. It'll pass. And what we get in return for living a life that, that might have included a lot of, that, that will include a lot of suffering, and those moments of suffering will bring glory to God, is that one day he will wipe the tears from your face and things will be good again. I encourage you, if you're not a child of God, today would be a good day to come one. Today would be a good day to say, you know what, I, I'm, that's worth making that commitment. Now again, I, I'm, I'm not going to paint this with rainbows. You sign on to serving God, you are signing on to a life of persecution and suffering. I'm sorry, that's the truth. But you sign on to serving God, you also sign on to an eternity of comfort and joy and peace and, and excitement and worship and glorifying God and having all the pleasures that this life can't deliver. That, that's what you get. It might, you might get some difficulties immediately, but you get comfort eternally. And that's worth signing on for. So if you're not a child of God, let him wipe away your sins. Let him take away the guilt you've created for yourself through not serving him so that you can sign on to serving him from now on. If you need the invitation to get your life right and become a child of God, please come forward as we stand and sing this song. Hosanna, you're my king. Thanks for listening and studying God's word with us. We want to help you draw closer to Jesus as your Lord. If you feel some need as a result of today's message, whether that be a need to seek God's salvation or you are just in the need of prayers, please reach out to us. You can find out more about us, including contact information at edwardslakechurch.org. If you want to continue to open God's word with us, please check out other sermons on our podcast or come visit with us at Edwards Lake Church anytime you can. Thanks again, and we pray God's blessings for you.